Welcome to the podcast of Peace NBC. Our mission is to reach everyone who is someone in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to this mighty word of God that will bless you. We hope you are touched and blessed by this podcast. To connect with this ministry or for more about Peace NBC, visit our website or email us at pmbc at peacembchurch.org. Come grow with Come peace. Grow with Come peace. Grow with Let's, let's, let's hear what God has to say. Amen. Now, there's a phrase that we have all used at some point in our lives. There's a phrase we have all used. Uh, we often use this phrase because there's some bad things happening. There's some things that's not necessarily going right. Give you an example. You blow a tire in your car and you say, that ain't nothing but the devil. What about your lights get turned off and you say that ain't nothing but the devil. You lose your job and you say that ain't nothing but the devil. But how many of you know that sometimes it ain't the devil? The devil didn't blow your tires. You, you, you just failed to keep the proper maintenance. The devil didn't turn your lights off. It's just you ain't paid the bill in three months. The devil didn't take your job. You just consistently showed up late, so they fired you. It's not always the devil. Most times, it's you. Just, we're going to do a lot of talking this morning, but look at the person next to you and say, most times, it's you. Y'all can take that how you want. If you want to take it, it's your neighbor calling the devil. Hey. We ain't always been right. I guess I'm talking to myself this morning. So our thought for this morning is simple. That ain't nothing but the devil. Our text this morning is coming from the book of Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. The book of Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. Going to ask that all that who can stand for the reading of God's word. If you can stand, let's stand in reverence to the word of the Lord. And as we have done for the last couple of weeks now, I'm going to ask that we read together. Because as I say every week, I truly understand that if we read it, we will understand it better by and by. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 1. If you have it, say, I got it. If you need time, say, wait a minute. All right. All right. All together. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children 
were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Over the course of the next four weeks, I want to invite you on a journey in which we will traverse through a thought-provoking series entitled Whispers in the Pew. Whispers in the Pew. This series will delve into the perils of murmuring, gossip, and tailbearing while exploring the courage necessary to seek the truth. Throughout this series, we will be reminded of the timeliness of avoiding idle talk as it is the potential to lead us to destructive behavior. We'll examine the biblical teachings on gossip and murmuring while simultaneously reflecting on the impact of our words, recognizing that what we say out of our mouths can either edify or undermine our community. In the Hebrew Bible, the books are arranged according to three categories. Category number one is the law. In the Hebrew, it is referred to as the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. Then there are the prophets. In Hebrew, this particular section of the Bible is called the Navaim. And then there are the writings. These are books like 1st and 2nd Samuel, the Chronicles. These are called the Ketuvim. In this arrangement, Numbers, the book that we are coming from this morning, is the first, fourth book, and it is a part of the Torah. Now, if you are not Hebrew, and if you study how the Bible comes together, you will see the word Pentateuch. They say that the book of Numbers is a part of the Pentateuch. Well, the word Pentateuch is two words put together. It's derived from the Greek word penta, which means five, and the word tukos, which means numbers or scrolls. Now, the number five has a significant, a symbolic significance. That significance is, is that some people would say that the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy are the most important parts of the Bible. Well, why? Because without Genesis, we would not know the order of creation. Without Exodus, we would have never heard how Israel came out of Egypt. Without Leviticus, we would never have been able to know what the law was. Without Numbers, we would never have seen them go into the promised land. And without Deuteronomy, we would never be able to see what happened that led to Moses' death. So some would suggest that these five books are the most important part of the Bible. The book of Numbers is named so after English. Numbers is not the word that we would see if we were reading this in its original writing. The book of Numbers is derived, the word Numbers rather, is derived from Latin. The Latin word is numeri. This is where we get numbers or numerology from. Uh, there's another word from Greek, which is arithmoi, which is where we get the term arithmetic from. Now, Hebraically, it's different. In the Hebrew, every book in the Torah is named after the first few words of the book. So when Hebrews were to read from the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers is a word called Badminbar. 
Bamindbar, which means in the wilderness. The reason why it's called in the wilderness is because it is an account of how Israel made it through the wilderness. It was written in the second year after they left out of Egypt. It accounts for their times and their history as they circle through the wilderness trying to figure out when are we ever going to make it to what God has promised. It details their travels, their trials, and their triumphs. Most theologians have concluded that the book of Numbers was authored by Moses, who, if you don't know anything about Moses, Moses is a former prince of Egypt. Y'all know the story, Moses' mother, put Moses in a basket and Moses floated down the river. And as Moses floated, the Bible says that the Pharaoh's daughter heard him. The Bible says that she takes him and she raises him up as his own. And so Moses is not only a prince of Egypt, but how ironic is it that Moses becomes a prince of Israel? This word prince denotes his rule or role of leadership. For yes, it is Moses who guided Israel out of Egypt. It is Moses who had many conversations with God about what God wanted to do for Israel. Now, it is Moses who was born to a tribe called Levi. And I think it's important as we look at Moses's life and we see where Moses comes from, we understand that Moses was special. For if you were born to the tribe of Levi, the Bible says that you got some special privileges. One of those special privileges were that you were chosen automatically without any choice of your own to be a priest unto God. Can you imagine if Moses were born today, he would probably be something like the son of a preacher who got put up for adoption and ultimately was raised in the house of a famous politician like the president. This would be what Moses's life would have looked like. We see Moses's call during the burning bush. In this burning bush, God speaks to Moses and says to Moses, I want you to go. I want you to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people Go. Moses is funny because when you look at Moses's life, you understand that Moses had married a woman. And when Moses got married, the Bible says that his father-in-law's name was Jethro. Jethro was a sheep shepherd, meaning that Moses had some special skills in shepherding people. Because Moses had learned how to deal with stubbornness, because if you understand anything about sheep, sheep are not easily the most going along with type of animal. They are stubborn. They don't necessarily move like you want them to. This is why they made that movie Babe. They made the movie Babe because this pig thought that he was a sheepdog, because the role of the sheepdog is to what? push the sheep along. So Moses gained some experience in how to deal with shepherding. Not only did Moses gain this, but by the time we get to numbers, what we understand is that Moses has a militaristic mindset. The Bible says that the camp of Israel was set up in the fashion of a war camp. In the middle of it was the tabernacle, which is where God would speak to Moses and where God would visit when he wanted to visit with the people. Surrounding the tabernacle was the most loyal troops, if you will. These were the Levites, and around them were all the other tribes. It would be similar to taking a point, 
drawing a point on a sheet of paper, surrounding that point with a square and surrounding that point with another square. So now we have Moses who is strategic. He is a war minded individual. The Bible says that Moses sets them up in a camp so that he could strategically see how can we enter into the land God has promised. So Moses devises a plan. He sends 12 spies one from each tribe to scout out the promised land. Y'all know the story, 40 days go by. The spies come back. When the spies come back, they come back with two things. The first thing they come back with is they come back with a bushel of grapes. And on this, these ain't no ordinary grapes. These is not these grapes y'all see in the grocery store that's small. These are ginormous grapes. They're juicy grapes. But what the grapes represented was the fact that everything God had said about Canaan was true. Everything that God had promised them, God said that it would be a land, what? Flowing with milk and honey. It would be a land that would be productive. It would be a land that would be overflowing. So they came back with these grapes and they said, yes, yes, everything God said about the land is true. But they came back with something else. The second thing they came back with was a report. Now, 10 of the spies had a report that was a little off. Their report said that, yeah, Moses, everything you told us God said about Canaan is true. Everything from from it, from all of the fruit, from all of the green, all of it is beautiful. But we got a problem. The problem is there are some people over there called the Amalekites and they are big and they are strong. And we are afraid that we can't overtake. Matter of fact, we're not even afraid. We know for a fact that we can't overtake them. But then there were two. There were two spies who spoke up and said, well, we disagree. We disagree because the way we see it, everything God said about Canaan is true. Now, you got to understand what did God say about Canaan? Number one, Canaan was promised to Israel. Say that again. Canaan was promised to Israel. The second thing was that not only was it promised to them, but they would overcome whoever was in the land when they got there. The third thing is that the land would be flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua and Caleb's report is we believe what God said, God told us that this land was going to be beautiful. It is. God told us that we would be able to overcome the Amalekites. And we believe we can do that. We believe what God has said. But how does Israel respond? They respond by literally losing faith in God. Now we are in chapter 14. By the time we get to the first verse, the people, because of the negative, the negative report, are fearing that God and Moses had brought them to this place to die. So they cry. They cry. They cry all night long. They're complaining all night long. They're in a place called Kadesh Barnea. It is approximately 11 days from Mount Sinai. Think about this. The Bible says that Moses was, I mean, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. Think about it. 40 years. And for 40 years, they were going in circles when it only took them 11 days. 
I'm going to say it again. They were going in circles for 40 years, year after year, week after week, month after month. They have not gotten into what God has promised them, but all it took them was 11 days. Brothers and sisters, I believe that doubt will have your mind clouded. Doubt will have you second-guessing yourself. Doubt will have you second-guessing what God has said. Doubt will have you believing, I can't do this. I can't overcome this. There is no way I can do this. Not only will doubt get into your mind, but how many of you know that when your mind is clouded, your actions will follow with no pattern of success at all. You start doing things that you know ain't gonna lead to success, but you do Doing it with doubt in your mind. Doubt will have you wasting time. Doubt will have you losing out on valuable ground that could have been covered if you would have remained focused. I am convinced that the reason we miss out on what God has promised us is because we lose focus on God. We forget that God has never failed us before. So in Numbers chapter 14, it is here that Israel cries out in anguish. They took turns complaining about the leader that God had given them. Imagine Israel. Y'all know how we do. I believe they was black. Y'all know how we do. We start talking. Imagine they are in the camp. They got tents. One of them zipped their tent now. You hear my wife? She crying all night. I'm going to tell y'all what brothers say when we ain't around y'all. I'm talking to you, Mylon. Can you believe what Moses told her? Man, I'm not going over there. You hear she crying all This is what they were doing. All night long, from one tent to the next, from one brother to the next, from one sister to the next, they were murmuring all night long. They had spread their complaints. Y'all know how we do. They spread their complaints to one another in the camp. What they were doing is they were whispering in the pew. They had a lot to say about Moses. They had a lot to complain about Moses. They had a lot that they wanted to get off their chest about Moses, but they never said it to Moses. What did they do? They talked to each other about how God couldn't do what God said. This is the essence of what it means to murmur. The word murmur in the text refers to expressing an unsubstantiated, stubborn, critical protest against someone. In the context of Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2, the Hebrew word translated as murmur is lun, L-U-N. This word has a root meaning of to lodge or to spend the night, which means that when they were murmuring, they did it at night. Have you ever noticed that all the people that got something to say about you are always on the phone at night? They're always calling each other at night. By the time you wake up, there's so many stories written about you. There's so much to say about you and about what's going on in your life. Why? Because they were talking at night. The word carries a connotation of stubbornness and rebellion. 
as the Israelites were refusing to trust in God's promises. And instead, they were insisting, no, I'm not going to trust what God said. I'm going to lean to my own understanding. I think they skipped over Proverbs where the Bible says, trust in the law. And with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. I believe Israel was murmuring. Y'all know how we do. We don't murmur out loud. We talk on our breath. We done got so sophisticated now, we let our phones talk for us. We text while people are in front of us. We're murmuring with our fingers. Now, in both Hebrew and in English, it don't matter what language you're speaking, the word murmur is not positive. It does not mean, I know we think, I'm just talking about what's real. No, no, no. If you want to talk, you got to open up your mouth. You got to go to that person because when it is in secret, uh, it's not positive change. In fact, the Bible says this word is used 13 times. This word murmur is used 13 times just when it comes to Israel complaining in the wilderness. They had questioned whether God had led them in the wilderness to die or if they would have been better off in Egypt. I don't know about you, but there have been moments, if, we, if I can be honest, that I found myself wondering, God, why am I here? What in the world are you doing? You mean to tell me you brought me all this way just to let me down? I don't understand. Sometimes... When you're about to break new ground and come into a blessing, you get cold feet. You start wondering, should I go through with this or should I just go back to where things were easier? Y'all know this happens all the time at weddings. Brother standing up there, doubt enters his mind. Doubt enters his mind. He starts thinking, mm, I don't know if this is the right time. It took him five years to get here anyways. Now he starts thinking, all these people looking at me, I don't know if I want to do this. He goes through with it, and this is what we do. We have a problem agreeing to things without speaking up because we are afraid of embarrassment. It is an even bigger embarrassment to keep your mouth closed when you know you should have said something when you know you don't agree that's not the time to talk under your breath that's not the time to murmur and complain that's the time like we say to keep it 100. you gotta learn how to open up your mouth but when we don't we'll just say that ain't nothing but the devil. The Israelites were so doubtful and so afraid, they not only were frustrated, they not only were angry, but they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted, not only did they want to go back to Egypt, they wanted to replace their leader Moses, despite all that God had done for them. They made up in their mind. They wanted a different leader. They wanted someone captivating to follow. They wanted to replace Moses, not because Moses had failed them, not because Moses had misled them, not because every time Moses said, God said, God did. Y'all will catch that later. 
But they were upset simply because Moses followed God. People will complain just because you are obedient. But have you ever stood on God's side, knowing that God's side was the unpopular side? Knowing that if I'm on God's side, people might not like what I'm doing. Uh, and people began to keep their distance. They say things like, you change. All because you are on God's side. Could it be that you standing for the word of God convicts the sinner? Could it be that because I believe what the Bible says, that it ain't me that's got the problem? Could it be that it's the lack of God in you that's got the problem? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14 says, Wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. This text lets us know that the popular side is wide open. But God's way is a narrow way. It's a straight way. And not a lot of people are going to want to go God's way. Because when you go God's way, there are some adjustments that you've got to make in order to make it through the gate. Yeah, God is checking you before you enter into the gate. Israel started to stone Caleb and Joshua because they had made up in their mind, we don't care nothing about what y'all are saying. They believed the word of the spies over the word of God. Can I tell you, sisters and brothers, sometimes we have so little faith that we'll believe the report of the specialists over the promises that God has made to you. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it another way. There's a song that says God specializes in doing things that no other power can do. God tells you start the business. Uh, but because you got a word from Pookie, that's a teller at SunTrust. Ain't never been a doctor. Ain't never seen a case. Ain't never went to court. But because they said. Ah, you wouldn't be able to do it now. You put the application down, tuck your tail and run away because Pookie said you can't do that. Church, there are a few illuminations we receive from our text today. I'm going to give these to you and I'm going to get out your way. Number one, doubting your maker. After he has proven himself, will cause you to be cut off from the blessing of the promised land. The Lord said to Moses, go with me, if you will, to verse 11. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 11, I'm going to read it out of the God's word translation. It says, the Lord said to Moses, he says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Think about that. God says. How long? In other words, what we learn from the text is this ain't the first time that Israel had been complaining. He says, how long 
Will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to trust me in spite of all the miraculous signs I have done among them? In other words, God says, I've been making ways. I've been opening doors. I've been doing miracles. I've been creating opportunities, but they still don't believe in me. So God says in verse 12, he says, I'll strike them with a plague. Notice plagues represent sickness or disease. He says, I'll destroy them. Now, now mind you, God is frustrated now because Israel is complaining after God has been faithful. So God says to Moses, and I'll make you into a larger and stronger nation than they. I know we like to say that ain't nothing but the devil. But have you considered that it could be God recompensing you for your unbelief? It ain't always the devil. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's your stubbornness. Sometimes it's because you didn't believe what God said. It ain't God's fault uh, that you didn't get what God promised, it might be your fault because you let the word of a doubter come into your mind and stop you from what God said. Isaiah says in Isaiah 45 and verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things before you go blaming the devil. Have you considered God and have you considered yourself? You got to be careful. Number two, you got to be careful of speaking against God's will. Got to be careful of speaking not only against God's will, but you got to be careful of speaking against what he has tasked his leader to accomplish. Go with me, if you will, to verse 27. Notice what God says. He says, how much longer, how much longer are these wicked people? How much longer are these wicked people going to complain against me? How much longer are these unrighteous people? Notice God doesn't call Israel faithful. He doesn't call Israel great. He doesn't call Israel good. He says, how much longer will these wicked people? The word wicked in the Bible means that they were sinners. They were people who were not righteous. Notice though that God had been blessing them even though they were unrighteous, even though they didn't deserve it, even though they should have died in Egypt, God had been good to them. So God says, I've heard enough. I've heard enough of these complaints. God is now tired of Israel. And I know we like to say that ain't nothing but the devil, but perhaps the devil is using you. I'm going to say it again. Uh, sometimes it ain't the devil, but perhaps the devil is using you to carry out his plan of ruin. The devil is the one that wants to destroy your life. The devil is the one that don't want you to get what God said, but he needs somebody to put his plan into action. And how much better would it be than the person who has the promise already? If 
if the person who's been promised that they were going to come out stays in the problem, then the devil don't even have to keep you in it because he's made you comfortable in what you say you don't like. There are some of us that are so used to moving in the spirit of rebellion that the Lord ultimately gives us over to it and allows the devil to have his way with us. Look at what God tells Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Can I teach for a moment? The word rebellion literally means to go against. The word rebellion means to not believe. The word rebellion means to to reject the word rebellion means to murmur the bible says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft so you might as well if you are rebellious you might as well take out your pointy hat put it on because the bible says that when you are rebellious then you are a witch and a warlock the bible says stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry when you've made up in your mind I'm not going to do it when you say I'm not going to obey God God is asking me for something that's impossible brothers and sisters you are being stubborn and the Bible says that is sin and idolatry because if God said it then you don't get to make yourself a God and say I'm not going to do it but our response should be yes Lord yes we're going to do whatever you say but notice he goes on and he says because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord he hath also rejected thee from being king. If you want to know why you ain't came out, you need to go back and check the word of the Lord. What did God say? Did God tell me to stand still? Or did God tell me to keep putting one foot in front of the other? And if I did not listen, then I am rebellious, sisters and brothers. Let us not be so quick to speak on things we don't fully understand because you may very well be speaking against God's plan. When you stand for the truth in God's word, most times you will be outnumbered and will have stones thrown at you. But God will be your defense. Ah, yes, when you stand for God, there will be people that will tell you you won't make it. There will be stones that of lies that will be brought up against you. There'll be stones of accusations. There'll be stones of fabrications. There'll be stones of false narratives because you're standing on the word of God. But God will be 
your defense. Go with me to verse 10. The Bible says, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. They had gotten so angry, they had stones in their hand. But here's what I love about God. The Bible says, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. What the Bible is letting us know is that when the enemy stood up against Joshua and Caleb, God stepped right into their problem. We're still saying that ain't nothing but the devil. And rest assured, sometimes it may very well be. But I know, I know, I know my God will take care of me. Isaiah 59 and 19 says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord and rest and with his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood. Uh, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So when you stand, stand on the word of the Lord, they might ostracize you, but stand on his word. They might criticize you, but stand on his word. They might even scandalize your name, but stand on his word. You got to understand, we used to single song that said my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus's blood and righteousness we gotta learn how to stand on the solid rock the rock of our salvation we gotta learn that his rock his rock is our defense can I tell you who the rock is that rock is Jesus Jesus is the rock and I know we like to say that ain't nothing but the devil the devil has a lot to say about the children of God the devil likes to say that you are a failure the devil will tell you that you will not succeed the devil will tell you you're gonna die in this mess but you're not the only one that the devil had something to say about because they had some things to say about Jesus our rock they murmured against Jesus they said he had a devil they said he was a false prophet they said he caused confusion they said he blasphemed against the holy one of Israel. They said he was a magician. They said he didn't pay his taxes. They said he was a hypocrite. They said he was from the hood. They even said, can anything good come out the hood? But I'm here to tell you today that you don't need to pay attention to what 
they said because I've got something to say about the rock of my salvation it ain't nothing but the devil who will remind you what you can't do but we who believe in God we ought to have something to say about Jesus our rock we ought to be able to say that he is the son the son of the living God we ought to be able to say that he is our wonderful counselor. We ought to be able to say that he is our mighty God. He is our father, our everlasting father. We ought to be able to say that he is our prince, our prince of peace. We ought to be able to say that he's our bread, our bread of life. That's why I'm never hungry, because he is my bread. That's why when I'm in dying straits, I can feast on the word of God. We ought to be able to say that he's the Holy One of Israel. We ought to be able to say that he's the King of kings. Kings. We ought to be able to say that he's the Lord of laws. Can I talk about Jesus today? We ought to be able to say that he's the king of the Jews. But let me make it personal. You ought to be able to say that he is my healer, that he is my deliverer, that he is my master, that he is my advocate, that he is the chief, the chief cornerstone. We ought to be able to say that he's the stone that the builders rejected. He is the great, the great head of the church. He is the author and finisher of my faith. God wrote my story and he knows how it's going to end. He is the bishop, the bishop of my soul. He is the fountain, the fountain of living waters. That's why he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He is the lion, the lion of Judah. He is the image, the image of the invisible God. He is our Savior. Can I talk about my Savior? He is my Savior. When I couldn't say myself, is there anybody here who knows he saved you? When you couldn't save yourself, you couldn't bring yourself out. You couldn't snatch yourself up. But he saw you in the pollution of your sins and he still saved you and not just you but all of his children who are his children it's those that do the will the will of the father can I talk about my Jesus how did he save me he died Yes, he died. And my story is that he died for you and I. He 
died. Yes, he did. And the question is, are you, are you going to do his will? Yeah. Yeah, glory. Are you going to do, are you going to do his will? We getting ready to go home. But I want to tell you what happened. What happened when he died? He died and they laid him in a borrowed tomb. He stayed there for three long days. But there came a time while it was yet dark. As the morning sun came in, he rose. As the morning sun, he rose after the veil, after the veil ran into. Have I got a witness here? Anybody know his story? They thought that he was dead. They thought he wasn't going to live on. But long live the church of Jesus. Because we and you can say that Jesus woke me up. He saved me out of my sins. And I can testify that he rose again. I want to tell you that you got to take back the glory from the devil. Now, I told you last week uh, that you got to give God credit. Uh, we got to understand uh, that it does not matter now uh, what they said. Uh, God made a promise uh, and he's not going to break it. Uh, so we've got to take the glory back uh, and give it back to Jesus. Uh, that's why we used to testify uh, and say, first give an honor to God, uh, who is the head of my life. Uh, Pastor members and friends. I want to tell you about my Jesus. I'm so glad um, that he put food on my table. I'm glad uh, that he put clothes on my back. I'm glad uh, that he kept me in my right mind. Is there anybody here that can testify with me and say I could have died when I thought about what they said but that ain't nothing but the the devil, the devil tried to make me quit. The devil tried to discourage me. But the Bible says that I ought to put on the spirit of praise for the for the garment of heaviness. I ought to tell the Lord, thank you, even when I don't feel good. Is there anybody here that can tell the Lord, thank you? God, I thank him that I didn't listen to what they said. God, I thank him that I didn't quit when they said I should. God, I thank him that I didn't stay home that night. God, I thank him. Say yes. Come on. I'm getting ready to go. You better come get this mic. I'm getting ready to go. But I'm glad about it. I'm glad about it. Ah, precious Jesus. I'm, let me sit down. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope you were touched and blessed by what you have heard. Remember to follow us on social media. For more info about Peace NBC, visit us at www.peacembchurch.org.
If you would like to support this ministry and help us reach more souls, visit our website and click Give Into This Ministry. Be blessed, and we will see you next time. Peace MBC Podcast. Podcast.